All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Monday, February 7th. Jason Greger is along for the ride, my usual DFO rundown co-host for our podcast. Filling in today, and Jason, we've made it. We're Back on the other side of the all-star break, the NHL's COVID regulations for the most part are behind us. The trade deadline is exactly six weeks away. We've got a lot to talk about. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait. I'm pumped. There's there's a lot of hockey coming up uh, starting tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Lots of teams. Uh, well, we'll finally, Frank, so you won't have to get upset about the points percentage. It won't really matter by the end of February. Everybody will be even again. Oh, well, that's good news. Yeah, I've been saying the only way to look at the standings is to sort by points percentage. Don't talk about who's in first place if you're not talking about games played. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's start with All-Star Weekend. Nice show put on by the National Hockey League in Vegas, solidifying itself as a hockey town. You saw the Las Vegas Strip closed off for 21 in 22. You saw the NHL players shooting pucks and getting sprayed with water at the Bellagio Fountain. What worked for you? What didn't? Well, first of all, uh, Trevor LaFleur, he worked for me. He was on fire. What a move, man. I'm, I don't know how many times I've watched that video of him. It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, my eight-year-old son, Beckett, uh, he loved it. Uh, highly entertained. I thought the, the the breakaway competition was easily the highlight for me. I, I still like the fastest skater. It's fun. It's easy. It's quick. Um, 
I, I don't, I think from TV perspective, Frank, it, it looked pretty good, right? Um, some of those were pre-taped the day before. So maybe the people in house didn't love it uh, watching the pre-tapes, but overall I thought it was good, except that Lafleur slash Zegris didn't win. How does he not win like that? That's the only negative for me was he was clearly the best and should have won. It wasn't even close. And by the way, like talk about the pressure on Trevor Zegers, not an actual all-star. The NHL brings him in for this breakaway competition and brings the breakaway competition back for the first time in a number of years. He lights the house on fire. And by the way, like how blindfolded was he really to get that shot off still? Nonetheless, the ridiculous hands to keep the puck on his stick like that and to dodge the dodgeballs. But to get through all of that, the marquee moment, the sort of viral moment, this video clip alone from ESPN, almost a quarter million views. And in the end, we have Alex Petrangelo with maybe the cheesiest attempt in the breakaway competition. He wins because John Hamm on the panel wants to give him a 19 on a 10 scale. I mean, look, I'm zen about this. I don't get worked up about really anything that happens at All-Star Weekend, but it kind of made the whole thing feel a little bit silly when you have someone giving a 19 out of uh, on a 10 scale just because he happens to be a St. Louis Blues fan and used to like Alex Petrangelo when he was their captain. I like the yeah, celebrity judging. Zegras wasn't even close. Yeah, if you're going to put in celebrity judges, then they got to at least take it somewhat serious, right? Like, make it exciting. Petrangelo didn't even score, and he had two attempts. <laughs> so, yeah, I, di I, didn't, I, I didn't understand that one. Uh, that's unfortunate. But you know what it opened the door, Frank, to is, to me, there's the first sign of the NHL. You can have the best players as the all-star players and bring in special guys like Zegras for certain skills, like the NBA does. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for that. I think all in all, look, All-Star Weekend sometimes leaves you a little bit wanting. I think in this case, I love that the NHL tried some new things. I thought that the fountain shots were a success. The 21 and 22, maybe not so much. I wish would have loved to see a little more banter between players as they're standing there and mic'd up and talking. Give it a little bit of personality, a little bit of flavor. The scene itself, you know, it just even felt a little bit like it was taped. So I think they they pulled off a lot, tried a lot. Some things will stick, some things won't, but uh, I'd love to have a more legitimate breakaway competition next year and see what the players can cook up by then. So Jason, one of the big things that popped up in Gary Bettman's annual state of the NHL press conference held before uh, the skills competition on Friday night was the NHL confirming that they are planning with the NHL Players Association to host or try and host the 2024 World Cup of Hockey held in February. So that would be less than two years away. And it would be a nice return to the international best on best competition, probably be the first one since the 2016 World Cup of Hockey that was held in Toronto in September. So the big change would be to play it in the middle of the season and take place of All-Star Weekend, which I think we'd all be for, uh, and the players would certainly be for, to have that uh, back on the calendar and a nice gap between you know every other two years between Olympics and World Cup of Hockey, that best on best flavor. But Jason, my question to you is, as Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, mentioned that they're going to try and improve the event, and it may not look exactly like it did in 2016, how do you handle it with the last two teams in the tournament? That was the big gripe from 2016 was Team North America and Team Europe. How, how do you make this a complete competition with eight countries? Well, I think everybody has to remember this is an NHL event, so they're going to want as many NHL players as they can get. The Olympics is going to be in 26 and 30. So every alternate years, you can have all the countries represented then. 
the NHL is going to want to have guys like, are you telling me that you're only going to pick, I don't know, like, is it automatically going to be Slovakia and Germany as the seventh and eighth team? I, I don't think you can do that. So I believe that the team Europe makes sense. And, and, and even the North American team, um, you're going to have young guys who basically five years prior from the 2019 draft through to the 2024 draft would be eligible for that young team. You'd have some good players on it. So the NHL is going to want as many of their best players. I'm intrigued when Daly says they'll do it different. I'm just not sure how much they do different. I can't see it being eight countries because then you're going to eliminate some of your stars. And plus, does if Germany comes, let's say, are you going to want 15, 13 non-NHLers in an NHL-sanctioned event? I'd be surprised. Yeah, I think that's a really good point there that a, a lot of people may not have considered. But I don't know how I feel about Team North America. Like one of the big issues from 2016 was like you're taking Connor McDavid and you're taking Austin Matthews off of playing for their home country. First off, those players should never be playing against their home country. That creates a weird dynamic in and of itself. And and I love the idea of pooling all the young players together that don't make their country's team, but still, nonetheless, it, it makes it feel like an inauthentic international competition. Um, and I don't know how you fix that. Maybe you just cut it down to six teams. And I, I mean, I don't know what the best solution is, but I think clearly for the NHL, when they when you look at it, to carve out 10 or 12 days in the schedule, if anything we've learned from the pandemic, Jason, it's that the NHL and a lot of these pro sports leagues can be a little bit more flexible with their schedule and carve out some important time for this in the middle of the season. The other question I have, who's going to host this? I would love to see this be played in Europe, which would be a little bit of a different flavor for the World Cup of Hockey and do it in a way that makes sense for U.S. and North American television audiences. So yeah, that's the toughest part is the audience. And also, are you going to add the extra travel for the players? I think the first one's definitely going to be in North America. No question. Okay. Interesting. So let's talk about the Phoenix, or I guess we should call them the Arizona Coyotes, or should we call them the Arizona State Coyotes? I mean, they were another big topic of conversation at All-Star Weekend. NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman dropping two kernels or nuggets of information. One is that the negotiations with Glendale really went a little bit more sour than a lot of people thought. That uh, according to Commissioner Bettman, and this was refuted by uh, Glendale City specifically in comments to uh, to Ken Campbell from Hockey Unfiltered, but the, the way it was characterized is that Glendale had said to the Coyotes, sign a 20-year lease or else get out. That, that's an almost exact quote from Commissioner Bettman. And the other interesting kernel was he said that the studies that they've done with the Coyotes potentially playing in a 5,000-seat arena on Arizona State's campus temporarily would be that they may not ultimately lose all that much money compared to their current revenue offerings uh, for the NHL and that there's so many comp tickets, so many freebie tickets that are given away that they may at 5,000-seat arena ultimately net very close or if not more than what they're currently making. Now, what do you make of the scenario? Will we ultimately see the Coyotes play at Arizona State's campus? Man, it seems pretty difficult to think it will. And and the fact that they, that, you know, Bettman says in one of their studies, supposedly it's the same amount of dollars. Well, that that's a pretty gross indictment on how the Coyotes haven't won. And at the end of the day, look at Florida right now. The Florida Panthers have one of the best atmospheres in the NHL. Now, they didn't for the longest time. They're not considered a hockey market. But when you win and you win consistently, and they haven't won a cup, but they're a consistent team, Tampa Bay, same thing, people will come. They'll become hockey fans. Arizona Coyotes organization has done very little 
to make the fans want to come and support them. So moving venues, is that going to change anything? The Coyotes, to me, if you're a fan, you're like, wait, you know what we're good at? We're good at uh, taking on players to put them on LTIR so we get extra draft picks. What else are the Coyotes good at? Like, get an organization that's going to be good on the ice, and then it might matter. But to me, as much as we talk about Arizona not being a good market, They've never really had an opportunity to cheer for anybody other than uh, the one year they went to the conference final. That's really an outlier. Other than that, they've been awful. So I I think it's kind of, it's easy to scapegoat the fans and say they're not good. This falls straightly on the organization. They've been the worst organization for a long time in the U.S. There's, I don't think there's any debate on that. So does this new venue, is that going to make them a better competitive team? I don't see how. I mean, they're not even trying to be a better competitive team for the next number of years anyway. Almost their entire tenure at Arizona State could be a team really suffering in the depths of their rebuild. So, um, yeah, I think one of my favorite quips or criticisms that came from that is there was lots of sort of veiled threats from the NHL in terms of uh, their criticism of the Canadian government and COVID-19 restrictions, you know, saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying that Canadian teams have asked us about potentially moving games to the U.S. the longer this goes on we may have to move the draft from montreal well everyone was you know some of the canadian journalists that i saw on social media were saying hey if you're really concerned about attendance why don't you uh remove a team from vague uh, from uh arizona instead of think about uh some of the covid 19 restrictions that have been in place yeah, edmonton and calgary playing at 50 percent still is tripling what the revenue is in arizona right now and they have full capacity so let's let's be Crushing. let's be real here it's not yeah. it's not an i understand you know with, with no fans in montreal and toronto and ottawa and winnipeg that's a legit concern no question about it. it's a big concern for the league because toronto's one of their biggest money makers same with montreal so you want to get that fixed as quick as they can. And as a Canadian, trust me, I'd like to see, you know, us take a, a step back and look at the big picture. And, and like I've yet to find a study that claims there's been a lot of massive spreads at sporting events. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen that. Um, so let's talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, some of the other news from Bettman's press conference on Friday night. In case you missed it, here was his reaction to Blackhawks chairman Rocky Wirtz and his eruption earlier in the week at a Chicago Blackhawks town hall event. I think, I think it, in the way I think it's been characterized is it was an outburst. And I think what what has happened with that franchise because of Kyle Beach and with Kyle Beach, for which we all agree was horrible and they acknowledge as well. I think this has been very emotional and frustrating and draining for the Blackhawks and Rocky in particular. And I think as they're trying to focus on the things they need to do organizationally to move forward, I think it was an emotional moment which Rocky promptly on his own apologized for. And the ironic thing is, which tells you that this is an emotional, frustrating moment, and Kim can talk more to this if you want, they're doing all the things to move forward. They're doing the work. The people who belong to be gone are gone. New people have been brought in. There's training. They're doing things above and beyond what we're doing at the league level. They're putting in a wellness department. They had answers for everything. I think this was just, you know, all of us at one time or another have a moment. And this was a moment. Just a moment or more than that, Jason? Well, come on, Gare. I'm sorry. I could see if it would have been a moment if Rocky was being attacked. 
Mark Lazarus never attacked him. He asked him a question to say, what are you guys doing to ensure? So if Gary Bettman just outlined that they're doing all these things, here's an opportunity for Rocky to outline. And, and the funny thing was, Frank, anybody who watches it, Danny Wirtz's son tried to interject and say, well, actually, this is what we're doing. And Rocky, you know, power slammed him. No, no, no. And then everybody sat there and, and, and said nothing. It was very awkward and uncomfortable, but I'm sorry. Um, you know, the Blackhawks are doing a lot. I don't question that. And so this is all on Rocky. To me, I look at his son, Danny, and other people in the organization. They're the ones who kind of have to take the brunt of it. But to claim it was just an outburst is, to me, short-sighted. And it's kind of typical Gary speak because he's, you know, he's not going to come out and rip one of his owners. Although, you know what? It would have been nice to just say Rocky was wrong. Full stop. He overreacted. There's no excuse for it. We can't have that type of reaction when you're having these conversations. End of it. That would have ended it. Why can't you say that? I don't think it would have been that hard to say. And I think everyone would have understood and agreed and to just, you know, clarify or class classify it as an emotional reaction. It's one that was unacceptable. So that should have been said as well. So no discipline coming from the NHL. I'm not sure what anyone was expecting. Um, yes. You know, that, that wasn't going to happen. So um, also some news we should just point out as well. Uh, a report from ESPN's Emily Kaplan over the weekend that, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks fired their longtime trainer, DJ Jones, from the AHL's Rockford Ice Hogs uh, back in November uh, when it was reported on the day that Kyle Beach had conducted his interview and revealed himself as John Doe that someone stepped forward to say that they were sexually harassed by DJ Jones, a member of the Ro Rockford Ice Hogs uh, ice crew. Uh, the Blackhawks then fired DJ Jones six days later. So, uh, just wanted to make sure that we were transparent and reported the news that was out there over the weekend as well. Uh, the Blackhawks remain under fire. So let's bring in David Alter now for another edition of the All 32. That's right. Pleased to welcome in David Alter for his first appearance as part of the Daily Faceoff family, now working with the LeafsNation.com. So, David, thrilled to have you contributing and part of the team. You're with the Toronto Maple Leafs all season long, every practice, every game, home and on the road. And we'll start with this. The Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas held his midseason availability on Sunday afternoon as everyone was getting back to work. What's your key takeaway? I mean, the one quote that stood out to me was that he feels like he may only have one bullet in the chamber here to use at the deadline. And if you were looking at this team, what has to be the clear number one objective for the Toronto Maple Leafs at the deadline? Well, Frank, the number one thing that stood out to me is that they have six weeks from now, and I don't really think they're sure of what exactly they're going to do. I mean, you look at last year, they had injuries that allowed for them to kind of go through LTI and get more cap space and then build up depth that way. Well, now everyone with the exception of Jake Muzzin is completely healthy. So even though it looks like the number one priority for the Leafs should be depth on defense, they don't know what's going to happen between now and six weeks from now and, and how much cap space they're going to have. And so I really don't think they're, they're sure of exactly what they should do. And there are so many things that could happen between now and March 21st from a cap standpoint and from a personnel standpoint that I think they just really have to kind of wait until the very end to let things play out with the roster before deciding what their number one priority is. 
David, it's got to be defense, though, does it not? Like, they can score with anybody. Like, they've got to get a big defenseman. You know, I just look at their blue line, and in the playoffs, Tampa Bay, size matters on the back end, size and skill. They've got to get bigger, do they not, on the back end with some skill? Yeah, perhaps. And the one thing that you point out, Jason, with the defense is in the last couple of years where they didn't have Jake Muzzin for a portion of the playoffs, that's where they were the most exposed. So getting another big body, a physical type that can slot into the three, four, but then also play the five, six is probably their number one priority right now. They do have scoring all across uh, the board, but they've got to be better from a, a five player personnel defensive standpoint as well. It's not just the defensemen, it's the forwards who've got to be responsible and back check. So uh, that's definitely the spot. They like what they've seen with guys like uh, Timothy Lilligren, who stepped up this year, but uh, there have been situations where he's kind of looked exposed and, and showing some of the, the rookie elements that a, a defenseman who's been in the minors has been uh, for. So uh, I think that there there is a priority to get the defense there. But again, if something happens between now and then where there's more cap space all of a sudden available. Maybe there isn't just that one bullet in the chamber and they can actually add to some depth, add some guys with term and do some things creatively between now and March 21. David, uh, Jack Campbell gets his first taste of an all-star weekend. Uh, had to be a great experience for him, but he sort of went into it with some eyebrows raised in terms of his play in the last handful of games before the all-star break. Give us your take on a scale of 1 to 10. What's your level of concern for Jack Campbell, given the workload, given that he's never really played this many games in a season, and what's going to be requested of him down the stretch? Uh, your level of concern for the Leafs goaltender. Yeah, uh, from a goaltending level of concern, I think it would be a six right now. I mean, it, it might have been higher had uh, Campbell not had that incredible November that he had. And, and has he's really been leaned on a lot more than you would probably expect. So uh, I, I think when you look at the overall season, he's still been putting, uh, been putting up pretty good numbers. Really, the question between now and then is not how Jack Campbell plays, but how he's going to perform in the playoffs if he is the number one guy going in. And that's really been the question. There's flashpoints where it looks like, you know, he he kind of gets away from his game a little bit. And and certainly that last game going into the break where he was thrown right back into it against the Devils and, and had a, a decent performance, I think, kind of brought that concern level down. Now he's going to get a bit of a break with Mrazek going up against the um, – the Carolina Hurricanes, but uh, certainly it's when you've got a guy who's inexperienced and then you've got a platoon backup, that can, level of concern is always going to be there just because he doesn't have the track record for it. So uh, playing more games than he's expected to, getting a bit of a reduced workload between now and the end of the season with Peter Morazic expected to get more games, I think brings that concern level down to where it may have been a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, interesting. Uh, never a dull moment in Leafs Nation. And you can read David Alter's work all season long at theleafsnation.com. Thanks so much for joining us today, David. This has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash.
All right, Jason, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We were just talking about the Blackhawks before bringing in David, and I got to ask you, they're taking a new approach. They're transparent. They released over the weekend some details about who they're interviewing. They interviewed Scott Mellenby and then finished off with Peter Shirelli on Sunday. That also includes uh, their interim GM, Kyle Davidson, who interviewed earlier in the week, Eric Tolsky as well from the Carolina Hurricanes. What do you make of NHL teams stepping out on a ledge and being transparent about their search process? Smart move. NFL teams have done this for years. And the, the NFL, the, there's no bigger dog in the fight in the North American sports in the NFL. This is a way for their fans to be conversing and talking about their team all the time. They're going to sit around having a pint, having chicken wings, debating which GM they think they should hire. And then, of course, there's always going to be the uh, – you know, the hindsight debate later on, if they hire whichever GM and then they're like, well, they should hire this guy. This is perfect. This is how you keep yourself in the cycle and the excitement level of your fan base. Give them as much information as possible. There's and, and transparency is great. And you, you choose whoever you want to choose, but you're letting your fan base know, hey, we did the work. We interviewed these four or five or whoever the people are. And I think this is good. And, and I'll tell you, I think people like Melanby and Toulouski and others, you like getting your name out there. The more your name's out there, then other teams are like, geez, if those guys are looking at him, maybe that's someone we have to interview when our GM job comes around. So I think it's a win-win for everybody, but it's a big win for the fans and it's smart for the organizations. Not necessarily a win for me and other insiders who are constantly digging for that information. All of a sudden, the team just coming out with it. And by the way, if you're interested in more on the Chicago Blackhawks search, Jason and I had a long discussion about it, including Peter Shirelli's inclusion on today's episode of the DFO Rundown. Episode 102, get it wherever you get your podcasts. Let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk now for our daily face-off, daily bet segment. He joins us from Arizona, where he's catching a little sun after being in Vegas for All-Star Weekend. Tyler, I would ask you how you did on your last bets, but I'm more concerned or more curious about how you did at the tables. At the tables, I managed to uh, kind of get close to breaking even, so it uh, wasn't a bad weekend at all for me at Las Vegas. Um, frozen up now, my apologies on that might not be great. Um, so maybe we shouldn't waste any more time. We should jump right into our bets for the courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. Great to have the out of the all-star break. I'm going with two picks. I'll be quick with them. The first one I got, the Carolina Hurricanes, they're underdogs going up against the Maple Leafs. The Canes have the best points percentage on the road in the NHL this season. The seventh best for per game on the road. The second best goals against per game on the road. They're a dang good road team is my point. Tonight, they get to go up against Peter Mrazek. The Leafs have been struggling. Even though they've been winning, they've been struggling to keep pucks out of their net in a few of these wins. So I like Carolina going up against the Leafs team that's been giving up a little bit of offense. And Carolina is really good at preventing it. So Carolina on the money line. And the second one, my player prop, Brady Kachuk over half an assist, paying out a very juicy plus 150. The New Jersey Devils allowed 23 goals in their last five games before the All-Star break. And Kachuk has hit has four assists in his last five games and has hit this number in five of his last 10 as well. So that five out of the last 10, it's not great in terms of what I usually look for when I'm betting on assist props. But that plus 150 payout and how poor New Jersey has been in preventing goals, that gives me enough to believe the Senators can put up some offense. And I'm willing to take a bit of a risk here because the payout is good on Brady Kachuk to grab an assist. So those are my two plays, Frank, as the NHL returns from the All-Star break. Love it, Tyler. Hopefully your picks are stronger than your Wi-Fi signal. That brings us to our garbage time segment. And 
Jason Greger, what have you seen? What's caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the hockey world? I cede the floor to you. Um, Rosie DeMano wrote an article in the Toronto Star suggesting that the uh, women's hockey should not be part of the Olympics. And she actually went as far as to say that it's a cheap medal. Um, I, I was caught off guard in one sense, but not in another because people too often get in a vacuum. And, and here's a fun little stat for people. What is the marquee event in the Summer Olympics? It's the 100-meter sprint. People love it. Well, you know what? In the history of the 100-meter sprint, dating back to 1896, the United States has won 39 medals. The next closest is Jamaica with seven. And that's with Usain Bolt going crazy winning the last three golds. Other than that, it was utter domination. Do people say, well, we shouldn't have it because U.S. wins all the time or they're always the favorites? No. The, the way that the sport grows and evolves, Jamaica was never a powerhouse. Right now, they're, they're both women and men are dominating on the track. It takes time. You have to put in money. All the article did was reinforce, though, to me, that the women's game, when they come out of the Olympics, they need one pro league. And the players have to understand their power in all of this. Be strong advocates of ensuring that you have one league. Then you're going to have the best women from Finland, Russia, U.S., Sweden, Canada, all playing together. They'll get better. And that's how you'll make the Olympics better long term. But it's a process. It doesn't just take two or three or four Olympic cycles to get better. Yeah, well said. I mean, it seemed to cause a lot of uh, consternation on social media. I mean, I say it all the time. If you're not raging on social media, apparently you're not doing it right. And so everyone seemed to get caught up by uh, the column and the opinion. And Rosie D'Amato, of course, on the ground in Beijing. Uh, this may be the best Team Canada women's team we've ever seen. Sarah Fillier, you know, you look at, at everyone who's tearing it up in Beijing, the numbers that they're putting up, it's been fun to watch. Like, you know, oh. this is hockey greatness on display. And just because some of these other countries aren't up to par doesn't mean that these women shouldn't have their day in the sun. And, and I think more to the point, I think it's going to make the U.S.-Canada games that much more special. The first one, of course, coming up uh, you know, soon as well. Uh, we'll see what happens there between the U.S. and Canada. Jason, that is all the time that we have for today's show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. Thanks to David Alter. Thanks to Jason Greger. And thank you for watching. We'll be back right here tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.